Okay, hit us with it. Talk to us about the advanced income quadrant. Okay, so the advanced income quadrant, it's only for those who want to increase their income and remove themselves from market forces, remove themselves from supply and demand. And that's why I call it the advanced income quadrant because a lot of the stuff in the book that we talk about, it could be stuff for people in their early 20s who are just starting their career and honing in their skills and strengths and are kind of in that, oh, I've just started education or I've just started nursing and I've got a good six years of um income growth just for hanging around and doing my job good. Like, So it, it really is the next level. Or if you are happy with your income at the moment, you're happy with annual CPI increases, you're happy with any industrial instruments and all that, you don't need this because you're happy with your life and your job and your career. If you're happy with what you're doing, it's all good. It's a good way to give you a framework to know, okay, if I do want that option to increase my income, here's the four ways I can actually explore that. Yeah. So realistically, if you're an employee and you've capped out your award, you've capped out your bands and you want to make more money, you need to step into the advanced income quadrant. Think of a window and doing a cross sign in the air. <laughs> the top left of the four pane window is be a manager of people and or processes. So to get more money in your job, you may need to move into management and managers manage people and processes. Now, the people person requirement might be higher for this. So the top left is may need a higher dependence on human skills because you're going to be working with people a lot of the time. But I will say across the bottom pane, and we'll put a link in the show notes and we'll put a diagram on our website of this quadrant, it may be lower risk and we can get into that uh, and to the reasons why. But to get more money in your job, you need to manage people or processes. And you might need to upskill and do some management training. You need to know, well, do I want to be in management? Yeah, because management's not, it's funny, management's not for everyone. Often we think about the career ladder and we think, well, I have to tick the box of getting to a manager role. And really, management, a lot of people will tell you, is like, can be very draining. So that's one of the four bits of the quadrant is be a manager of people or processes. The second one, the bottom left, and it might need a lower dependency on human skills, is to be a specialist. What do I mean by that? Well, to become a specialist, it requires you niching down into a specific topic, usually within your industry. And you're really good at that. And you are known just for that. I mean, in financial planning, and that was my background, there would be specialists who just do self-managed super funds and high net worth and because there's complexities there and they need to be in the weeds of that all day, every day to really get it. I got uh, clients that used to come to me as a financial advisor and people would say, hey, Glenn, we need help with uh, moving our mum or dad into aged care and we need financial strategies for that. I'll refer on to a specialist because it's just not what I do. Specialists can charge more because also the market forces there is not as many specialists as there are generalists. Yeah, so having that depth of knowledge about a particular area gives you higher income earning potential. Yeah, and you know, we've all heard the story with the medical specialists. A lot of you who have listened to My Millennial Money know my story and follow us on Insta and all that. I've had a heap of ankle surgeries. My ankle specialist, he's not only an orthopedic surgeon specialist, but within that he specialises in 
keyhole surgery for ankles. You know, I had a 45-minute-hour procedure. Uh, he charged $3,000 out of pocket. He doesn't work in public hospitals. He basically names his price. But market forces might come into play, unlikely, but if there was three other ankle specialists who just did feet and ankles, who just did keyhole, he might not be able to charge $3,000 out of pocket for an hour. So you might be thinking in your field, like you might be in IT, can you double down and just do... Cyber security. Cyber security. You might be in marketing. Can you double down on data science and analytics? You might be a builder. Can you do architectural refurbishments? (laughs) Like this is why this advanced income quadrant... Like I didn't step into this until I was like in my late 20s because I needed the actual experience about the bread and butter. And all this is said with the hygiene factories, you know what you're on about and you're good at it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I want to just stop there for a sec before we move on to the next two and focusing on in the early part of your career, let's say you're between the age of 20, 28. Yeah. What I want you to be doing is focusing on breadth, focus on getting a diverse experience because if you do that, then you can figure out, well, what parts of my career do I really enjoy? Do I really thrive in? Where are my strengths? Once you do that, then you can start niching down. And I think that part that you just described, Glenn, of your own career, it wasn't until you're in your late 20s that you started to specialize. I think that's actually a really good learning for each of us to go, we want to have enough breadth and generalize early. And then we move into, okay, now I know, like for me as a HR professional, HR people do heaps of things. They could do award compliance. They could do policies and procedures. So I did the whole breadth of HR before realising, well, my my space that I'm best at is leadership and culture. So mm. I want each person to figure out before you go into that specialist zone, what do you love? Mm. Like, what do you like? Your, your medical specialist realised, well, they're good at keyhole surgery for ankles yeah. <laughs> because I'm sure that they did a range of things beforehand to work that out. And I'll give you an example. Like one of the surgeries I had with a traditional orthopedic surgeon and sure there could be some medical advancement happening as well in the background I won't um, disregard that but like one of the surgeries it was open surgery you know eight stitches overnight in hospital you know cast and all that stuff the same procedure I had with this specialist had to have the procedure again was KL surgery day surgery walking in four days like so I was quite happy to pay him for the specialty because, you know, I got what I paid for. But anyway, let's move on. The next one, if we look at the other side of the quadrant, the top right window, it is B in sales. So we know with sales, there are uncapped incomes because the more you sell, the more profit you can make. Now, there might need to be also a high dependence on human skills being in sales because you've got to be personable. You've got to understand what the customer wants, but not always. You might do web sales and it's just 100% digital. So 
a lot of the big income is in sales because they're selling tech solutions to big enterprise companies. So yeah, be in sales. So how can you transition to find what you love, love doing it and sell something? But this quadrant might not be for everyone because you might not be a people person, you might not like sales. So sell something. And particularly if you're in a role with a small business and there is some type of sales thing, you've got more chance of having an uncapped income. Okay, if I have that sales-based role and I get some commission from from that, that can actually increase my earnings. So there's, it's giving us the ideas of, well, how can I move into other areas to make more money? The sales side and the right-hand side of the quadrant, it is more risky than being a manager of people or processes or a specialist because you could be an employee specialist. You could be really good at one specific thing and you're employed to be a specialist in the organisation. So that is kind of lower risk. Um and as well, being a manager, you're going to be an employee. But with sales, if you're an employee person selling holidays and the pandemic hit, well, that's high risk because the sales might not always be there. The fourth part of the income quadrant, it's the bottom right and it is to be a business owner. So you own the business, you employ people and you know most millionaires that I know are owners of businesses. It'd be awesome if there, I'm sure there would be research on this to see of those high net worth people, how many of them are business owners? Well, you look at the rich lists in Australia, like they're all business owners. There you go. Most of them. I won't say all, but like, yeah, most wealth in the world is made from people who own businesses. And the reason why is the business owner takes on all the risk. Yes. And you've got to understand and part of the book, sort your career out, make more money. We actually did a whole chapter on risk and perhaps we can do an episode on risk that 101, the higher risk, the higher reward. So it's just about understanding if you want to take some risks. And that's why I put the business owner and sales on the right-hand side, which is higher risk, because there is a potential for higher reward. Higher risk, and they've got that uncapped earning potential on that right side. Now, I want to just recap those four areas. So area number one, we have be a manager of people and processes. Area number two, be a specialist. Area number three on the right side of the quadrant, be in sales. And area number four, quadrant number four, be a business owner. What I want you to do right now, as you're listening to this, is think about those four areas and think about which one or two interest you most. So as you've heard Glenn unpack those, what ones are you like, oh, that really interests me? For you, if you haven't managed people before, you might think, well, I've always actually wanted to lead a team. So then I want you to start to think about in 2023, what conversations do you need to have in order to start to position yourself for that? So you might need to talk to your boss this week, next week and say, hey, boss, I would like to eventually have a chance to do a manager's role to get a sense of if I enjoy it or not. Could I cover you when you go on leave at Easter, at Christmas, whenever it is, I want you to start having those discussions. Maybe the specialist one really piqued your interest. So what areas in your field can you go and niche down? What courses can you do to increase that chance that you would become known in your workplace as the specialist go-to person for data science, whatever it is? Yeah, and I just want to add to the manager thing. There's a principle called, I think it's called the Peter Principle. And basically we've seen this and you probably work with a lot of them. People rise to the level of their own incompetence and... With managers, the biggest trap that I see that people fall into in their career and in teams is you're really good at being an engineer. There's five engineers that work here. You're the best engineer, so you're the best engineer, so that means you need to be the manager. 
and they're the most horrendous manager on the planet. That's kind of, you know, you see it all through the public system in terms of the government work and health system. There's so many, and even big corporates, there are so many crap managers because they've risen to the level of their own incompetence. I think that goes to just because you have really good technical skills doesn't mean you're going to have great leadership skills. Mm. Like leadership skills, like anything, they're a skill that you have to learn. They are. Leadership skills is one of the most technical skills I think you can build. So just because you're good at your field, whatever that is, doesn't mean you're going to make a great leader. What I want you to do is get exposure, get experience to see if you like it, but also get feedback from people to see if you're any good at it. 